Hello there, and welcome back to the third episode of Cuzzle-Op, two cousins, one podcast, endless entertainment. I'm your host, Willie, aka Arrow, and as usual, we got... Ivy, Isaiah Velez, I'm glad to be here. We told you we'd be back, and we are. Yes, sir. This week, we're diving in to Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, which released last week, and seems to be very controversial in the uh, eyes of fans out there. So we're here to deliver our thoughts to you. Absolutely. Willie, when did you go see it? So I saw Ant-Man on Friday, February 17th, the, you know, the day it released mm-hmm. at uh, like 11 a.m. Oh, he did a morning show. That's different. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, when did when did you go? Nighttime, boy. Friday night. I was in the, I was in a cut with all the other geeks. We was live, and I bought Sony, the Sony uh, Dolby, you know, whatever the sound is. So it was the sound was crispy. The shot was crispy. It was almost like an IMAX, but not IMAX, because obviously IMAX is the camera is different. But I'm glad I bought those tickets because. I felt like I heard everything I needed to hear crispy. Sometimes you go into the plain, the plain movies, like the plain ordinary show, and I feel like I miss certain things. Um, but the quality yeah, was I worth understand. it. I understand. The, the theater I went to isn't necessarily like the greatest theater in the world. Um, it was definitely dark. I feel like on the theater's problem, noticed it a few times. Mm. But um, I think I saw everything I needed to see. Yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, to, to, to really just... <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So what'd you see? <laughs> what are you laughing at, huh? Nothing, bro. What did you see? What did you see? I saw Ant-Man, you know? What did you see? I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah, <laughs> uh, see, I guess that's where we differ. That's right. We'll get into that. Let's we'll get do into it. That. All right. So, you know, Ant-Man, I guess, you know, we were both kind of excited for this movie as it's the beginning of phase five um the phase four discussion we had last week we talked about its ups and downs and going into this especially the week leading up to the movie there was a lot of stuff coming out saying that it was the worst of the mcu movies which i can tell you right now i disagree with i agree with your statement not them yeah i just i don't i don't understand how people can call this the worst mcu movie um i've been kind of dodging what people have been saying until we had our conversation same but i am i'm looking forward to diving into why people feel the way they feel yeah i mean thinking about how people feel i've got the uh rotten tomatoes page open here um you know we we got a 47 right now on the tomato meter for the critics 84% um, on the audience score, though. So I think that vacillation, that back and forth that you're saying in terms of there being a lot of controversy, it even exists in these two scores. Um, But I think the consensus that they have here is probably good to read. Uh, It says, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania mostly lacks the spark of fun that elevated earlier adventures, which I think is interesting, being that we just talked about those adventures. But... Hmm. Jonathan Majors' Kang is a thrilling villain poised to alter the course of the MCU. So I think in that line alone can describe what I feel like a lot of people's issues are 
Exactly. I think some people are looking at these movies as if these trilogies are supposed to be real trilogies. Mm. Um, you know, Iron Man, uh, you know, like all of the other films, the character is the trilogy, not necessarily the story point. Exactly. I like that. And so I don't think that Ant-Man 3 needed the vibe of the other two in order to fit. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are coming from. They wanted a fun heist movie, which mm. this is in some ways, but it's also bigger. And, right. you know, they wanted that small thing. So I think this is where the idea of what you want versus what you get comes into play. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think that point of... What was and what is, I like what you're saying in terms of these movies are tied to the characters, right? And that's what the comics have always been about as well. I know we're talking to MCU, but, um, you know, anybody who's read a Marvel comic, there's tons of different um, universes, renditions, writers, um, and, that, you know, comic book number one doesn't necessarily tie together to comic book number two in any way other than the fact that Spider-Man was in both or Iron Man was in both or, you know, so I think what's happened here, and this is something that I think we have to talk about this episode, and maybe this is where we start before we really get to the nitty gritty. I think what happened in the past and the way movies were tied together and the way, I mean, I went back and watched Civil War again after we talked last week and I just feel like the way they connected things was masterful. And we've been spoiled as the viewers of the MCU as a result of how well they, they've been able to connect things. And, and I think they're looking for a connection. The viewers are looking for a connection. They want that to be a necessary piece, especially after the quantity over quality concept of phase four, as we discussed. But do you think that that's a pitfall when it comes to viewing these movies? And do you think we need to abandon that desire in order to fully appreciate what phase phase five is going to hold for us? I, I have noticed that a lot of people are coming out here and discussing that the MCU feels like it's trying to always build the next thing. It's mm. always trying to connect to the next project or this or that. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, but that's what you guys want. Because if a movie came out here and tried to stand on its own two legs, you're going to complain about it. I remember True. people saying that Shang-Chi felt so disconnected that they don't understand why it was made or Eternals. People don't like now that we've been through an entire saga of the MCU. I don't think they want to go through this commitment again of having to build up. Right. I think people are ready just to see, you know, people every, all around talking about why isn't this as good as Civil War? civil war that took eight years to build up to and if we would have gotten it at any point before that it would not have worked as well yeah so we need to get to that point again so i think if if i understood what you're saying it's like i think people need to be more open to the idea of abandoning it for certain projects abandoning the idea that everything needs to be connected yeah right away at least understand that sometimes this connection is going to come back around Right. In five years. And that's where my point from the last episode or comes in, where it's like Marvel kind of conditioned people to get them ready with Captain Marvel dropping right before Endgame. Hmm. If they would have conditioned us differently, had Captain Marvel release way back when, have her disappear, come back around. 
we would have a different idea of how things are going to go. Mm. But now everybody wants connections, but they don't want connections, but nobody ever really wants to know or nobody really knows what they want. So I don't know. I don't. Know. And I think that that's like anything, right? But at the same time, from a dynamic standpoint, I think, uh, you know, when you go, when you go to a show, um, like a concert and you listen to a band play a song, you know, one of the things that is really important, especially in a song that builds up, is making sure that the dynamics of the sound, it's not too loud, too fast. If, if there's a song that's supposed to build up, it's supposed to be small and, and kind of quieter toward the beginning. And then as you hit the, the kind of the, uh, the climax of the song, that's when the volume's supposed to sound the loudest. And that's something that artists think about. And I think what's happened with Marvel is they've been playing at such a high volume for so long toward the tail end of phase three um, and some of phase four. I just think there's, there's, they're having a hard time with dynamic right now, you know, and, and, and that's undeniable. So for me as a viewer answering the question I asked you, because I think you answered it basically perfectly. I, I mean, we have to let go of, uh, wanting to hear the whole show progress and come in with a clean slate every single time right now. Especially if I feel like we're fans of Marvel and we want to see what they're doing um, and, and give it give it the best shot that, that, it, that it deserves. Um, you know, I, I think this movie, now moving into that, I think, right? Like, I, I, this did feel like a fresh beginning to me. I don't know about you, but it did feel like a start. And I know we've seen Kang before. I know that. But there was something to it that felt new. Um, and I liked that. I liked that it felt new. It's been a while. It's been a while since I felt that, um, oh, yeah. Okay. I saw something starting. Something's actually starting. Let's get it. Like, I'm not just seeing something to see it. I'm seeing something that's going to actually become something and it's going to blossom. And that's where I get it. You know, you want Ant-Man 2 and, and 1 to tie together. But they did stay true to the heist, quote unquote, concept of what Ant-Man was introduced to us as. You yeah. know, the, and I like that. I like how they played with the consistency. Um, what's the writer's name? Isn't it Loveless? Um, I can pull that up, but... Just to quickly throw in, um, for the next five to ten minutes, to, to the viewers who maybe haven't seen the movie, you know, spoiler-free thoughts, because then we, I really want to jump into the, to the real depth of it. You know, Word. we can even do three minutes. So if, if you want to run through that, yeah, that's a good that's a good way to go about it. We'll we'll, we'll make sure we after we're done with our thoughts being uh, spoiler-free, we'll say, hey, this is your clear warning that spoilers are going to come after this part of the conversation. So, um, yeah. All right. So go ahead. Go off with, with spoiler free. Answer your question. Jeff Loveness was the writer. In That's this it. Jeff. Jeff Loveness wrote all three Ant-Mans and really? is the writer of the 2025 Kang Dynasty Avengers movie. Is he the writer of that, really? He will be writing that. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I felt about that, to be honest with you. After the movie was over and I was looking, I was like, Oh snap. Yeah. <laughs> the Ant-Man writers writing the Avengers movie? Oh snap. Is, that's interesting. I'll give you that. That is interesting. Um, but to give you real quick, spoiler-free thoughts, 
I feel like this movie was... I don't want to say the average Marvel movie, but this has felt like the road that Marvel has walked for a while. Mm. Um, where, you know, they're not... They're, it's nothing too crazy. The visuals are there, and it's like... Some of the visuals in this movie weren't. I think this movie actually shined better with its practical work. Interesting. Um, and I, I felt a lot of Star Wars influence in this movie. Uh, I agree. I agree. But as a as a film, it's a it's a fast movie. It, some of it feels rushed to me. Um, I think the vibe was switching back and forth a little bit too much. Where it's like pick pick a road and stick to it. The moments where I thought they were going to stick to something, they didn't, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, this is this feels like something I've seen before. But overall, I was entertained by this movie, and uh, yeah. Spoiler mm. thoughts. Are spoiler All right, free. so give your give your review though. You can still give a review without spoiling it. I mean, hey, that's 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 really it. Just it's no. I'm talking about score. Oh, score. You know, I, I normally would like to watch a movie a few times, maybe two before giving a score. But walking out of it, I would say a seven, six point five. You know. Mm. On, on a lot of these websites, you can't really do the 0.5, so I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt of a 7 rather than the 6. Word. Yeah, man. I mean, just I'll start mine off with the score. I gave it the same exact score. As soon as I came out, texted Willie. I said 6.5, and he was like, yep, that's exactly what I gave it. Um, so it seems we're on the same wavelength in terms of how much we enjoyed it. For me, I, I've actually felt... Um, I definitely enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. I can see the Marvel formula rearing its head. The act one, act two, act three rhythm, you know, hero crisis tied throughout it all, some motto or lesson that they're kind of going through, um, you know, typical Marvel stuff. But, you know, again, what the consensus on Rotten Tomato said is true. I think Jonathan Majors stole, stole the show and made the show the show. And um, I think I, I loved when he was on screen and it was enough for me to stay um, at the edge of my seat for the first kind of like minutes when we were just hearing about him. You know, I've been hearing about him for so long, whether it was in the movies, the Marvel movies or around kind of the press of the movies and talking about how great Jonathan Majors is and all that stuff. So it was it was great to to see him do his thing in this movie in particular. Um Majors spectacular. He was. And I don't think I don't think it was it was definitely like they had to do a lot, right? So I, I can hear you on the rushed part, but it was I don't know, man. I, I I don't really know how they could pace it differently, to be honest, you know, considering what they felt like they wanted to share um on the Ant-Man and the Wasp side of things. But I think the major thing for me that knocks it down, um is that it, this could have been um, it could have been a, a Miss Marvel Quantumanium. It could have been a Doctor Strange Quantumanium. It could have been a um, you know you you name your favorite Marvel hero and put Quantumania on the back. <laughs> like, let, me, you know? let me say this right now, and I'm gonna let you chew on this. Uh, I saw a post saying this was a Fantastic Four story disguised as an Ant Man movie. Exactly. See, I hear that. Could have been fantastic for Quantumania. 
Um, it was yeah. That's my that's my thoughts. To to counter your point, hold on. To counter your point on the on the on the effects, I actually I told you I was going in there looking for weird. I was going in there looking for wonky, and I found it, and I loved it. I thought that um, for a movie with so much CGI and having to do so much CGI work. Um, I didn't feel disillusioned. I didn't feel like, oh, that looked like terrible CGI or like, oh, I'm like, that took me out of it. It wasn't as immersive as it could have been. I, I felt like they built out they built out the world very well. Even if the importance of what they built out, ultimately, <laughs> it was just like all this work for something that, again, we got to get into it deeper, but I liked how they did it. I thought the art was great. Uh, the guy, uh, my boy Terry, who I saw with, shout out to Terry, we looked at each other and we were like, nah, the CG, I felt like the CGI, he felt like the CGI was slapping. You know, it was it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was all right. I just, there were moments where I was like, ah. And then the practical work is, I think, maybe just because of how good I thought the practical stuff was, I was like, okay. There's so for those who don't know that practical term, what do you mean by practical? The suits that the characters, because, you know, they had a lot of freaky looking characters in the movie. I could tell what was practical and the practical things looked great. Like I was surprised with some of it, um, but the CG, it wasn't bad. I just think it, it could have been better and we've seen better from Marvel before. Yeah. Okay. I hear that. Just overall, you know, I think we're both in agreements that it's, it's the Marvel it's a, movie. It's a 6.5 Marvel movie and it's an yeah. important, it's an important movie. That's one thing that's undeniable. Um, and so if you're, you know, I got friends who've hit me up and said, should I go see it? Should I wait till Disney plus my recommendation before we even jump into the depth of things is yeah, go see it. You know, maybe go catch a matinee, maybe go see it in the morning. Like Willie did <laughs> like go, go catch it at a discounted price. Um, same, 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 same response I would give to someone asking about a video game that I thought was just kind of like mediocre, but at the same time, it's like, no, you probably would, you know, enjoy the experience, you know, maybe get it when it's half off, get it when it's, you know, there's a percentage off or it's on sale. I think you should do that with this movie. Don't wait till Disney Plus does it. Um, I think that would be silly. This is the beginning of something, and I think it is an important movie. Why are you coming at me for going to watch this movie in the morning? Nah, bro, no shots, no shots at I all. Just, I just, no, I just want to know because it's a cheaper you know, ticket. It's a cheaper ticket. I respect it is a you, bro. You know the high that. school's kids; they're not out. The middle school, the babies, Talk they're not it. out. Not me to alienate y'all. If y'all listening right now, we're not alienating you. But I understand we what you're sitting, saying. Hundred percent. We were sitting in the theater with the elderly transport bus that dropped the 15 elder people off to watch the movie. That's who we were in the theater with. And it was a great time. They were probably like, shh, why y'all are talking to each other? There were some other people talking. Someone pulled their phone out, was on TikTok for like 10 minutes before security came. It was kind of crazy. Oh, nah, that's crazy. So, Got to keep in mind where, where I live in this New York City area. Shout outs to whoever may be listening from there. Things can get rough. So we picked the smart time. But um, yeah, I, I think that wraps up our non-spoiler. So if you haven't seen the film, uh, you might want to listen off. But if you really don't care, come listen into what makes us like a movie and dislike a movie. So I think I want to start this conversation to, to, to make it short and sweet. Jonathan Majors asked Kang to talk spoilers when he was beaten ass, he was beaten ass. I think he forgot that he wasn't filming Creed. 
<laughs> Creed 3. March 3rd, stop playing with us. We're going to talk about that. Big facts, bro. He was in there going. He was he was in there really going. It was really good to see him. And I, a lot of my friends right now, they hate me because we keep having this whole conversation about Jonathan Majors and like Michael B. Jordan and that'll be settled in Creed. But I, I just think Jonathan Majors... One thing about him, man, is his believability. He's just so believable, bro. He's he's pulling me through the screen, watching him. I see. I'm like, man, I feel like I feel like I like you, but I hate you because you're the antagonist. But I also respect you because you're kind of talking about something I may not understand. But at the same time, I also like my heroes, and I want to see them win. But I kind of want to see them lose. You making me feel a lot of things, Jonathan Majors. You making me feel we a lot of things. We wanted to see him win. We wanted to see a hundred percent. That's. That's no doubt. I know most people who walked into Ant-Man were hoping to see Ant-Man lose. It was mad funny that 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 scene with him and all of his replicant the replications of like different ideas of who he could be and other oh, what is it possibilities. I was thinking about uh I was thinking about the the Hot Ones interview with Paul Rowe. He's like, "Look at us." <laughs> I, was, I was dying in the theater. "Look at us. <laughs> who would have thought we'd be here, huh?" <laughs> I was tired. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Majors did great. Uh, I think everybody in this movie did phenomenal, um, except one person. Uh, she was all right. I just, I wrote this in my non-spoiler review, but I really want to get into it here. Um, so Cassie, uh, mm. Ant-Man's daughter, she was played by, I think her name is Catherine Newton. This is the third yeah. actress who has portrayed Cassie within the MCU. And mm -hmm. with the first being from Ant-Man 1 and 2 and the second being from Endgame. Um, right. I don't know why this actress was in charge of playing Cassie. I think she did great with the writing that she was given. But I, I would love to understand why she was chosen over the Endgame Cassie or even the Ant-Man mm -hmm. Cassie because that girl is old enough to play this Cassie now also. Now, if it's an acting choice, mm. okay. But um, I don't know if you know this. The girl from Endgame, she found out that she was replaced on social media when they announced that this girl was taking over. Dang, that's savage. So that is something foul. So I came in here and I was like, why was she replaced? I would love to know. And I didn't see anything that made me think... She was worth it. You know, I try to trust the casting department to these things, but I don't know. You didn't like this one. I, it was just like, okay, she didn't do anything crazy for me. I think the actress tried her best with maybe what she was given to, to work with, but um, yeah, I, mean, I, I hear you. I, I definitely feel like she wasn't the strong point in this movie. I like Catherine Newman, you know, she, map of tiny perfect things on Amazon. If you haven't seen him, definitely watch that like three billboards, like, She's got some great performances, but in this movie, I don't know. There's something about, I don't think any actor could do a Marvel movie. Like, let's talk about that. Like, let's talk about the fact that everybody downplays Marvel and thinks it's like a lower type of, of movie or it's like a bad thing in cinema. But the same way that some risers could, some actors couldn't rise to the occasion of the Game of Thrones, for example is the same way that I think that like, not that Game of Thrones and Marvel are the same, but I'm talking about the type of acting required for yeah. this. It just doesn't fit sometimes. And I felt like that with her for sure. I, I, she was definitely a weak yeah. point. Um, 
Emma Fur- Furman is the actress from Endgame. So I, I would love to just know why. At least nobody told her. Why did we do that? But to move on. Yeah, that's on cool. Cassie. Um, I, it's business. It's business. Everybody else is was pretty good. I could tell that um, Michael Douglas doesn't want to be Hank anymore. He's giving me Harrison Ford as Han Solo vibes. Ooh, talk about it. Talk about he it. He just about it, he, it. he came. He did what he had to do, and he left. I, I could tell from him. Michelle Pfeiffer tried her best, and she was probably my second favorite actor in this film, next to Jonathan Majors. Um, she did a good job. Um, I know we'll get to the point of the plot. In time, but I think like don't let me forget when we get to the plot what I feel about Michelle in light of her way she played Janet. Don't let me forget that. I got you, and uh, you know Paul Rudd is always great. Paul Rudd delivered. The last two actors, actresses, you know, number one, Bill Murray. Now, Bill Murray was in this movie, and people are saying people are saying that they wasted Bill Murray. People are saying that, how do you guys waste Christian Bale and Bill Murray? I'm of the opinion that Bill Murray was not wasted in this movie because he was giving me uh, the collector from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, that's the role he was given. He wasn't the main villain. He wasn't Christian Bale coming in to play the main villain of a movie. He was Bill Murray. Hmm. an actor who we know is very selective about the roles that he takes on in the first place, coming in for a quick mm-hmm. thing, and he did it. Mm-hmm. The same way mm-hmm. the collector did it from Guardians. So, Bill Murray, I, I don't hear those complaints. Yeah, and I just felt like he was, he was... He played a menacing and, like, welcoming kind of character, which was beautiful in terms of, like, it prefacing Kang's presence. Like from a writing standpoint, he is a character influenced by the evil of Kang. And I felt like it was a great intro because he's the first antagonist that we see on screen. Um, and so I, I, I love that. And there's a lot of antagonists in this movie. That's another thing I think that's crazy. Um, and then this is more of a plot thing, but Evangeline Lilly, also known as the Wasp, mm. I just, she did all right. I think the story did her dirty. Um, yeah. I would love for that to be the first point we dive into when we discuss story. Uh, so let's just jump in, This bro. movie could have been called Ant-Man Quantumania. Not Ant-Man, the Wasp yeah. Quantumania. Because the Wasp was n- nobody. She was nobody in this movie. <sighs> yeah, I agree. I agree. She didn't need to be there. Unless um, the Wasp is for yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet Van Dyne. Well, I think that that's also something you have to consider. I was going to mention that. Like, it's a play on words because these are two sets of Ant-Man and the Wasp the entire time. But she got the short end of the stick. Uh, she was. I think she was just the, the the daughter that had to see her dad and mom struggle. And the and the and the love interest of Paul Rudd's character, I mean of Ant Man and 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 what keeps Ant Man going along with Cassie, that's all, so that's what I'm saying. She could have just not been there, and in spirit, she could have existed. That's the one thing I will give this movie when it comes to connecting to the other Ant Man films. I feel like the theme of family is still at its core. Uh, 
with because you know in the beginning of the movie we have Cassie chewing out Scott, uh, aka Ant Man, for you know what are you doing with your life? Yada yada yada. And we've seen that he's he's only ever wanted to do the best for her, and it still it still feels that way. And that's what drives him this entire movie to make the decisions he's making to work with Kang to do this. It's to get him home. Um, and I think that's like a mirror, not mirror type thing with Michelle Pfeiffer's Janet, because we see that Janet gives up her family because she knows who Kang is, but Scott can't do that. Even though we do see all of the events, how they play out in the movie where, yeah, he, he does. And he is ready to sacrifice himself and all of that. You know, in the moment where he agrees to Kang, Janet probably would have never. Yeah, but now you're navigating into waters that prove against your point too because what's happened is Paul Rudd's Scott and Hope, they are the better and, and, and learned from the mistakes of Janet and Hank in their role as Ant-Man and, and, and the Wasp. And so in this movie, I feel like they allowed there to be this contrast because if you think about it, this is obviously um, one of the first movies where Janet is kind of in opposition and opinion to um, Ant-Man and the Wasp and Scott and, and Hope. Um, and I think in the last couple movies, we've, we've watched Scott beat Hank's pride down as a presence in his life. So we've already seen him get to a point where he's kind of had to let go of his grumpiness and let go of some of his stronger opinions in order to back Scott and I think that that's the same thing that happened in this movie. Um, and a, as a result, I feel like that's where Hope was important to be on the screen because she does pull uh, a change of heart out of Janet. And so I think that's very interesting too. Like she, she did, she did kind of need to be there for that point. She needed to be a reason why her, her, her mom folds and finally like admits that she's been folding. Um, yeah. I mean and, and then another, and, and then I'm gonna let you go. But then another point also is, I think that there's this theme that I want to talk about on the back end of our discussion um, about who's, what fight is yours that lives throughout the entire movie. And I think that Hope's final decision toward the last couple minutes of the movie um, to stay and to fight to save Scott, that shows what she's fighting for too. And I don't think that would have been, got, it wouldn't have gotten across if she wasn't on the screen. So there are some pretty important decisions from the Wasp that does make it more of an Ant-Man and the Wasp type of movie, if you think about it like that. Yeah, but they, they felt like decisions that are thrown in there rather than are weaved in. You know what I mean? Uh, she she okay, feels okay. like Wasp from Ant-Man 1, where she's there, weaved into the story, so that by the end, all of her actions feel naturally occurring. And then in the second movie, she is the fo focus of that film. Ant-Man and the Wasp, that's what that movie is called. And it felt like that. She's in the front line. She's doing this. But in this, she took that back seat again. You know? So I, I like the idea that they were playing on the words of Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because Hank and Janet get their scenes also, but Hope being such a weak character in this movie compared to what she was shown to be in the second one just feels weird to me. It just didn't sit well, and it's a lower point of the movie because it's like... I understand that. She feels wasted, yeah. Just, mm -hmm. We should have had that. We should have had more with her because of how phenomenal that second film was in building up. Even from the first film of, I want to do more. That's her in the first film. In the second film, I'm doing more, but now how can I do more with Scott? And... It doesn't feel like we got that until the 
last five minutes of. I agree. I agree. She's in. She's in supporting character jail. Hunt. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Okay, I understand what you're saying. I feel like I understood uh, what they were trying to do on the writing side, but execution-wise, it didn't feel like that at all. Yeah. If anything, this would have worked had they called it whatever the heck. I don't even know what her name is supposed to be. I don't know if she's gonna get a name. Cassie's name as a superhero. Do you know what it is? Probably some. You do probably something small, no? Oh, so you don't? Okay, I'm looking it up right now. Keep going. Um, overall, I just think. Oh, I found it. It's the Stinger. Or Stature, one of the two. Um, that's what. Both names are trash. So. <laughs> um, hey. Nah, but listen. Let's <laughs> instead of waiting to the. She was, instead of waiting to the wait, what you she say? She was a big. She was a bigger character than Hope. So it's you know. I know, bro. I know. They wanted to really let her get her shots off, her stingers off. Like, um, so another another point that I want to land on to connect the Ant Man films, Modok. What do you think? I, okay, so my opinion on Modok is I hated it. I hated it so bad, like so bad. In the first moments I saw him, I'm like, Darren, the what? What was his name in the, the, in, uh, the, the first movie? The yellow jacket. The yellow jacket. So I just think the decision to have him pop up as Modoc was one, another area where Marvel's kind of getting disrespectful about iconic antagonists. And I don't like that shiz, bro. That's not it. Me personally, I just feel like they did it with Taskmaster, one of the old well, bro. Taskmaster? I I know, I know. I'm sorry, but just just so you know. That could have been a Spider a Spider Man four villain, but they wasted that villain. And I think in this movie they wasted Modok. He could have been this big baddie in some other person's movie or in some other way. I think kind of mushing him down into the story just to make him fit was so silly. And to me, it's like why you could have come up with tons of other ways to get Darren to come back. He didn't have to beat Modok. And I think that the way that they they kind of had him die and why he died and the change of heart he has, all of it was forced and corny. And his development was never believable because it's just another product in the Marvel uh, formula that happens sometimes. So that's what I felt about Modoc. He was probably one of my most frustrating points. Darren died in Avenger, Avenge the Fallen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, honestly, up. I don't know if I ever see Modoc being a big bad in the MCU like that. Uh, you know, if they had the ability to pull it off, more power to them. It's just not something I don't know if I would have been able to see necessarily. Um, I think some of his things here worked very well, but they went back to the Marvel, you got to kill him formula, and that's what they did. Um, yeah, that's one aspect that I feel rushed. You know, it's him coming and swiping Kang off his feet in the end. I was just like, okay. Okay. But... I liked his characterization, but eh, did we need him? Probably not. It feels like something used to stuff a movie that's only two hours anyway. But I also understand why they threw him in there. I mean, again, you could have didn't you could have did it in a different way. But him him also being in there, kind of tying back to my point with Bill Murray's little character there. Um, I think it all is just to. Um, kind of set the stage for for Kang 
which is brilliant. I mean, Majors doesn't need that. He never would have needed it, but he definitely benefits from it, the way they set the stage for him. It's like, all right, you got this joke of a villain, then you got this joke of a villainous character, and it's kind of like, all right, here's a great contrast between these guys or whatever, and this guy's not somebody to mess with, and they did a great job of putting that on screen. Yeah, so <clears throat> my standpoint, I didn't mind him. If he's in the movie, I didn't mind him. I don't need him to be gone, but if he weren't there... I'll, I'll take that too. It's not like he makes anything special for me in that film. Um, yeah. Do you have any talking points you want to hit or do you want me to move? To my yeah, next man. One? I want to talk about that theme. I want to talk about that, that fight is yours and what you felt about that. Um, you know, he says that in the beginning, that's the big thing Cassie argues with her dad about, you know, you, you've stopped fighting. Like you're not living for anything. You're not living to help anyone anymore. Um, and so he's questioning in his head, like, I fight for you. What do you mean? I've always fought for you. Why don't you appreciate that? But little does he know that what she's talking about also kind of sheds light on some of what he is worried about internally. And I think it shows on screen with the way that he talks about my life is just so weird. You know, it's like even you are having a hard time accepting that this is your life because you don't even know if you're worth that. And that comes off through Paul Rudd's performance, which I'm grateful for his his ability to act like that. I think co- comedic actors are so slept on, man. When when they do sad roles or they do pieces of like, um, yeah, just 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 solemn and kind of downcast character, I feel like he he is that on the on the inside. Whenever we see him in any of his movies, um, and so I think they highlighted that really well. What's the fight? Whose fight is whose? That notion of a theme. Do you feel like you saw that throughout the movie? And what was some of your favorite ways that they kind of incorporated that dynamic? I mean, number one, I just want to say Scott Lang saved the universe. So I'm, I'm okay with him taking some time off. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I always love the idea of trying to figure out what a character's motivations are, what their goals are, what, what's pushing them forward. With Scott, it was definitely always his daughter, but... To have her come to him and say, what else are you doing it for? I was like, hmm, is that something he needs to do? I don't know. It's definitely a weird feeling just because, like, Scott, again, saved the universe. But I, I liked seeing some of his motivations. Um, look, the, 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 movie, the movie folded in one aspect. And for those listening who may not understand what folded means, it means they dropped the ball. I think yeah, you know when you fold it in the card game. Delivery, oh, you didn't have to explain that. You never know. The delivery at the end again. If you hear still, you want to be spoiled. The wormhole or whatever you know is closing. We we're accepting in our hearts that Scott is about to be stuck in the quantum realm, probably getting killed by Kang. And when I thought that that was going to happen. I feel like that's where your message kind of came around full circle because I'm like, he found his fight. It was his family, got them, and that now this is this is it. This is him going to his fight until the end. They folded. They dropped the ball. Wasp comes in, saves him, and then he gets to live happily ever after. To double down on their fold, they have this great moment where Paul Rudd is walking out of this coffee shop at the end of the movie, and he really starts to consider that they messed up. And the music is getting tense and Paul Rudd's face and he the monologue is like, did, did we just make a mistake? 
And they, what do they do? They bring back the happiness. Oh, we'll find out another time. You know, it's like, I would have loved for, I feel like that would have hit, made that message hit more because it would have shown that his fight that he was fighting, sometimes it's, it gets messy and these things are, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. When things fall apart, that's sometimes part of the yeah, job. It's, you know, and, and, I, and I, I hear you on that. Only thing that I think that stops them from that is that this is the first movie of Phase 5. This is supposed to be a ball roller, you know, and, and I think that's why they chose to do it like that. But it wasn't, again, it's it's the flimsy, um, weak writing for, for Hope's character. That's the issue here. If there was more of a reason for us to feel that moment in the end, then it would have felt different. You know, it would have been like, cool. And, and to be honest with you, bro, I actually thought, no, actually, we got to pause on that because, again, we're in, spoil we're in spoiler areas right now. So, again, if you haven't watched this movie yet and you really – you got to get out of here. Um, she, I thought she was going to get stuck with him because what that was a plot hole for me. In the beginning, the machine that, that Cassie created was just a telescope into the quantum realm. It was, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, a beacon that got sent out, not a whole portal. I don't understand that. Like I I I don't yeah. understand how if, if they, they decided together, to put back on that. I would have been fine. I would have been like, all right. And that's what I that's what I thought was happening. So when I saw that moment, I said, oh, she's his fight. I mean, he's her fight. You know, and then that's why he show she shows up. He's somebody who she's willing to let go of all of the fame that she's gained and all the great work she's doing at at, at the job. Like I think. He, he shows that in, on purpose in the beginning. You know, here's where I am. I'm successful, but, like, she's really successful. She's doing her thing. She's, she's like, one of the most, like, important things to me in my entire life because look how special she is. And she's willing to take all of what he sees as special to stay in there with him is what I thought was about to happen. So when she pulls the portal up, I'm like, yo, y'all just flushed all the risk of her popping back in down, down the toilet like that? That's what y'all want to do? And we're in the heat of the moment. It's the last act. I was tight. I was tight. Yeah, that's that's where I was really like, come on, why didn't you stick with it? Why isn't? Why did we not commit? Because that commitment would have been beautiful. Because then we leave Ant Man there. They had their heads touching each other, like we, I love you, and all that. They were ready. They were ready to be stuck there. They, you know, they defeated Kang, but at what cost? You know, we had to sacrifice. But now, at least we have each other. And then, oh, you know, portal out of nowhere. Like, I, I think at the end of the day, that's where the writing just yeah got out from in front of them. They kind of just got away from them, and I think. Like everybody had a fight. Everybody had a reason why they were showing up. Everybody had a reason or a way they thought things should go down. Um, and it just kind of was too much. And this is where directors like the Russo brothers, they know how to write balance and to have multiple protagonists, multiple main characters on the screen. I think that that's what worries me about my point earlier, bro, about uh, Avengers 5. 5? Yeah, 5 being written by this same writer, that kind of scares me. I'm like, uh oh, you know, I want to see, I want to see balance between characters that are in a movie. And if more Marvel films are going to come out in this phase that have that issue, it's going to be a big thing that stops me from being able to enjoy, enjoy the films. So I got a question for you. Uh, you know, this is a little bit, a little bit away from Ant-Man, but the screenwriter for Avengers Secret, no, not Secret, yeah, Secret Wars, Avengers 6, is Michael Waldron. 
who wrote Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, man. I don't know, bro. I don't really have any comments. What's the question? Let me ask uh, that. The question is, do we feel comfortable with our new adventure writers? Especially no, because, I don't, I... to add on to the point, they are being brought on as the full writer of the movies where all of the other Avengers films have had multi-writers. Yeah, I know. And that's that's weird, man. I don't know what that is. That's that... That's when you like fall in love with like a like a like a drink at the gas station or like a like a snack and then they change the branding a couple years later and, and, and it doesn't taste the same. Also, they like change the recipe. That's what it feels like is happening with Marvel right now. I don't know how I feel about that, bro. I mean, we can only see what happens as we move closer, but um another point that I think we should tackle, because we've discussed how great Jonathan Majors is as Kang. But how good is Kang himself? How good is the character? How good is the writing? Um, I've seen multiple opinions on it. And I, you know, I've discussed this with uh, some some friends of mine, some groups that I'm a part of. Let's do pros. Let's do pros and cons. I'll do my my pros first, then you do your pros, and then you do your cons, and I'll do my cons after. I think my pros. Um, I think we don't know the whole story yet. We only know one story. And I think that's something we got to get used to, right? And Loki, we got to see Jonathan Majors on screen for about 30 to 35 minutes. And that's it. One of 30 minutes. We'll never see. <laughs> we, we, oh, incredible. We'll never see that 30 minutes of Kang in Loki, that, that version of Kang from Loki ever again. We're going to get a completely different version of him every time. Same dynamic here. And I like that. And if that's how it's going to be, if it's going to be glimpses of Kang here and there, that's an interesting that's an interesting way to do it. And I like how they wrote that. Um, two, I think they wrote this. You can tell that um, they knew Jonathan Majors was going to take the role and they did some writing for his role after they knew he'd be the one that's playing Kang. So they wrote a script that fits for the actor perfectly, in my opinion. Um, and then I think my last point for... Pro would be, um, he's a cool and ominous character, man. He's just cool. I don't even know how he has his powers. I don't even understand that. Can't wait to. Can't wait to. Is technology? What kind of technology? Does Wakanda technology add up to that? Is it just like a, a, spec, a spec compared to the, the, the grandiosity of that? Like, what's up? I like that. I'm excited to continue to explore that as we progress in the other, other movies. So those are my pros. Okay. So I guess that means you don't want me to uh, discuss some of the things that I know from being a, a person who knows the character of Kang. Yeah, go. Do you know his origin from the comics? I don't know if that's the way they're going, but there are there's hints in this movie that tie into what his origins are from the comics. Um, so he's like the grand descendant of Reed Richards. Oh yeah, he's Reed's son. He's like his grandson. Or he's Reed's grandson. grandson. Yeah, grand grand. Um, the teleporter that Reed uses in Multiverse of Madness, the same teleporter that all of the Kangs use uh, at the end credit scene. So people have been trying to say like, ooh, you know, I noticed that right away because it's a different than the ones from uh, the TVA. Uh, 
But, I mean, Kang is a technology-based villain, which is why, you know, yeah. when at the end when his suit is messed up, he's, he's bringing the hands to Scott because... Yeah, I think I think, you know, that concept and that connection and the fact that they're leaving some clues um, that that could be a potential connection. They've not actually doubled down on any of that just yet. It was cool. I like how they held they held some of that information back because they're they're going to definitely drop something on us later for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, just he uh, there's a there's a presence that he's like. The way they wrote his character about like, I don't really care about any of you guys. Um, and the, when we see him interacting with Scott, Cassie, Modoc, then they show us the flashbacks with Janet Van Dyne and how he's like, I promise we don't know if he's being serious. The way Jonathan Majors plays Kang, I want to believe in his promise. But I don't know if the character that I've witnessed earlier on will stick to that. And I think there's something very, uh, like, what are they, on, ominous? Ominous about that. There's something that's, the way he manages to just shift back and forth between these two, like, incredibly mysterious or energetic character. I'm just like, damn. Either way, he's a mastermind. They wrote him like a mastermind. Yeah, he's dangerous because we his brain is, is insane, bro. But he's Smart. also human. I feel like you see his humanity. Yeah, and I think that's why he's perfect casting. He's so good at that part. You know, his 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 frown has a frown. <laughs> I just there's something about him that's like more than other Marvel villains. It's like I see the humanity and I feel like it's similar to Thanos, even though Thanos is completely just messed up in his head about some things. It's like I can see why you're doing this. You're going about it the wrong way. Um, but I think this brings me into my negatives, if you don't have any more uh, positives. I think that I haven't yet landed on how I feel about his demise in this movie. Um, something that I've said is this movie feels like the middle ground with the worst of the worst being Thor 4. So imagine if Thor 4 stuck the landing and was an okay movie, that's what this movie would be. And imagine if Thor Ragnarok was dumbed down a little bit, that's what this movie would be. And I don't know if I like the, the ending for, for Kang in this film. Or so the ants and the MODOK part of the ending. Because that's what messes him up. That's what messes the technology up. I understand... The, the Wasp and Ant-Man, you know, that little debacle at the end of the movie. But they have the fury of ants, which I understand. They're futuristic ants that are smart and have conquered, yada, yada, yada. Mm, I don't know. Just bum-rushing it. <laughs> it's... It felt like, um, you know, this is a deus ex machina moment. And I don't like deus ex machina moments. Moments where, you know... Out of nowhere, you know, Superman saves the entire Justice League when they're about to lose. Or like out of nowhere, something comes that resolves all of the all of the situation that the character is going through. The weight is lifted. Oh, no worries. We got it. Um, I hate when they throw that in these movies because these heroes are heroes. 
They're not just like, <laughs> they're, 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 these guys have powers. Like they're superheroes. Like they, they are supposed to be the, de the deus ex machina for themselves, themselves. And I think him coming in with those ants at the end was so lazy. And I just felt like it undermined any of the weight of what these characters were going through that I was actually enjoying. Um, so that's definitely a con, 100%. I'm hearing you. Yeah, I'm, I think the fight, they needed to get us to the fight in the tower, in the boss room. They needed to get us there, and that's how they got us there, and it feels lazy. Especially since three members on the freaking team are geniuses, technology geniuses. They could have done something to, to immobilize Kang's technology for five minutes. It didn't have to be a, a horde of ants, like... They, they could have wrote that 19 different ways, bro. Not even every single character on screen, Cassie included. They're all brilliant. Scott, maybe less so, but even if he somehow outmaneuvered him using a, a trick up his sleeve, since he always has something, it feels like. But nah. You know, I'm just to pause real quick and then we'll jump in. I'll tell my con, but I'm just saying it's another area where it's like Evangeline Lilly as Hope saves Scott a couple times in this movie, bro. You know, she does save him when he's, when, I don't know why this popped into my brain, but he, he, she does save him when he's about to fold, when he's in the, the, the storm. She saves him there as well. So I don't know, bro. I, they they were trying to write something with her, bro. I don't know what they were trying to. My cons, though, bro. Other than now, you put me on like the the wasp side of things. You're right. You're right. That's disappointing. Um, but cons for Kang. Um, I think like I don't know, bro. Like I only have one con, and I think my one con would just be like you said, he died too early and. I also felt like he 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 wasn't as um, heavy hitting as I felt like he could have been. Like he was kind of easily defeated as a result of those ants and all the other stuff that goes on. Like I just think it's not just how he died; it's also like the fight that he puts up before he dies. Like I would have appreciated it being a lot more. Um, oh shoot, we might lose for real. If you walk out of this movie and you're not sure how you're gonna feel about Kang being the next big bag bad i understand that because you just watched him lose the ant-man and the wasp you know what i'm saying but i think what this movie did show is that majors when the time comes for is gonna deliver no matter what he's gonna deliver he delivered in loki as he who remains that really hyped me up for this and then even in the spoilers, again, if you're still here, you're, you sign up for it. End credit scene, end credit scene, end credit scene. Got me so excited to just see him again as a different version of the character. I'm like, okay. What's that one? That character's what? Victor? Victor? I have no idea, but it's a, it's, it's a Kang, right? So I'll take it. And I'm excited to see where they decide to sprinkle him out throughout these MCU movies because I, I have a feeling it's not just going to be on Loki. Um, yeah, as, as we kind of get toward the, the back end of the episode here, um, any like final thoughts that you want to say about the movie? Well, look, I'm just going to say for those who have sat and listened to us, um, 
these are still fresh thoughts. This movie has only been out for under a week at this point. These are thoughts that are, we've, I know you've probably only seen it one time. I know I've only seen it one time. Um, I haven't done any bigger dive into anything. Uh, so, you know, these thoughts are open to change. They're open to become different. We might see something, watch the movie again and feel different about it. And like I said, with these Marvel movies, depending on how the next movie goes, that could change my feelings on this one. So these are fresh thoughts. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, you need to keep that in mind for us. We'll obviously keep watching. We're not the type that's going to watch once. There's something. And that's another thing that's to be said about this movie. Like if this was like I'm flipping through channels and this pops on or, you know, my daughter accidentally clicks the remote and this pops on, I'll probably watch it, to be honest. Like I enjoyed the experience. It was interesting um i'm excited to dive into all the deep analysis videos shout out new rock stars like definitely gonna watch all those um but i enjoyed the experience i thought the movie was pretty good i don't think you should wait i think you should go um give it some time it isn't the craziest thing the spoilers are not that wild to be honest that they're 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 important but they're not that wild like we said, they've hidden they've hidden what they need to to keep the story going, and I think that at the end of the day, this movie was a bridge toward what's where they're headed, and um, I appreciated it for that. That's why I give it a six point five. Um, and yeah, man, we'd love to hear what you guys thought about about this movie. If you've seen it, if you're listening on Spotify, please head down. Um, you can swipe up on Spotify, and you can answer our little question down there. Just tell us what your score was and why. Yeah, I also have a question in the YouTube section, uh, if anybody's listening there. So you guys can be on the lookout for that. We would love to hear your responses. Um, as this episode comes to a close, two last little points shouldn't take less than a minute each. Uh, your Ant-Man movies, how would you just put your your ranking of them? Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's a good that's a good end question. Um, one, three, two. Oh, there you go. He hit mine also, guys. So we we've actually agreed on this movie a lot. I'm not one gonna three lie, two, really. one three two. Uh, don't get used to it, listeners. Big facts. We're gonna keep fighting. But um, yeah. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you tune in next week. Uh, due to the release of Ant Man and the all this MCU talk, it kind of kind of broken up our plans. So next week, we're gonna go back the basics we're going to be discussing our favorite television shows of all time movies of all time and video games of all time so we hope you guys come next week get to know us a little bit more now that we're done with this mcu talk for a little bit so hope you guys tune in next week you got anything else you want to say so like you said thank you for joining us for one more episode of cousin wop two cousins one podcast and listen to have a good one.